What would be the purpose of increasing knowledge if it doesn't lead to the truth? What would be the purpose of knowing more and more information or increasing in more and more knowledge if it doesn't show you the path to saving your life? In a world where we obviously die, would you not want to know that which saves your life? The only knowledge that is worthy of being consumed and taken in is the knowledge of God. And that is the word of God, the Holy Scriptures. And we're told in Daniel chapter 12, in verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal this book, even to the time of the very end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Saying that knowledge shall be increased doesn't mean it is knowledge of the truth. You can increase in knowledge of absolute falsehoods and delusions. And there is many who enjoy that and want to be sold a lie. That will increase, meaning we will come at a time in the earth where people, you know, love, laugh, enjoy, will uphold and defend lies because it makes them feel good. Because we live in a world where your feelings are more important than the truth. And the reality you make up in your head, in other words, a delusion, is more real than the actual truth of existence. And so when people come to a point when they do not even have reverence for, respect or value the word of God to know who God is and his character, then how could you even recognize his voice when you hear it? That's why so many people hate the word of God when it is preached to them. They hate it. That's why Jesus said, they will hate you for my name's sake. They hated Jesus. It was quote, religious people who claimed to follow and believe in God, our God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, who killed him and persecuted him. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who came to save the entire world. And not all knowledge is good knowledge. Of course, you can have knowledge of evil. Take us all the way back to Genesis. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil which ended up in every man's heart. All of his imaginations were evil continually, meaning human beings had not even one thought that was good. Every single thought they ever had was evil continually. That's how bad humanity got in the days of Noah at the times of the flood. And yet God tells us and Jesus warns us in the prophecy of the book of Revelation that as in the days of Noah, how people will be, will be even worse than that. The times will be even worse than the days of Noah. And people will still deny this or even question today. Uh, are we in the end times? Are we in the tribulation? Has this part in the book of Revelation happened yet? If it was happening, you wouldn't have to go online and comment and ask people, hey, do you think the which one of the vials have been poured yet or which one of the woes have happened yet it would be so, it's going to be so evidently obvious in our existence that you you don't need to be asking anybody online and from the sounds of it you won't be able to 
because everything will be shut off and we will just be left alone with our faith. And that's why Jesus says, it is your faith. You need to endure till the end to be saved. Many shall become weary. Many shall have their love wax cold. They will feel like in the waiting and all the tribulation that, oh, what is this, you know, so-called salvation, so-called God? Or what about the people that still don't even know God? Which again, as I've said to you, even religious people, they are actually atheists. They don't know God for real. And this is why you must know God's word. This is why every one of the teachings I ever put out since I began making this series of the Wisdom Within Scripture series is me quoting and speaking scripture into your ears because it is the word of God that is wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge in itself is not wisdom. Knowledge is the basis, it's information. Then you get understanding. What does the knowledge mean? How do I interpret it? How do I use this? And then wisdom is you physically applying it in in your life and being able to walk it out. So knowledge in itself is useless when it's not based in truth and it's not leading you to the very word of God that tells you how to be saved because we will all die. But where you will go after that, your final destination is very much dependent on whether you are written in the book of life or not, whether you know God's voice or not. And knowing God's voice, I don't mean, does he speak to you every day and whisper in your ear? I mean, do you know his word? Because so few people today do know his word truly. People have a, a perception in their heads of a false God that they think is the God of the Bible. But it is not. And that's why all of my teachings span across the Old Testament and the New Testament so you can see. The God Yahweh in the Old Testament is exactly the same as Jesus in the New Testament. He is not a different God. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And people, because they're afraid to teach the truth or people that are doing it for the wrong reasons and and want the attention, want the fame, want the financial support, want whatever it is don't want to offend people. Well, I'm sorry, but it literally says, Jesus says that those who are offended by me can't be saved. But those who are not offended by me, they shall be saved. How many people are offended just by hearing the name Jesus Christ? You see them start to literally become aggravated and angry and enraged and want to start physically attacking you just by hearing the name Jesus Christ when they could just walk away if they're not interested. It is truth and it is real. The scriptures reveal to us what shall happen. And what I'm bringing up here, um, where it says, Daniel, shut the words and seal this book, even to the time of the end where many shall run to and fro. I want to show you where else this is sort of connected and written and was revealed to me now how this is connected as well. We're going to experience the same thing. And we are certainly coming into you know the the time of the sorrows leading into the birthing pains this is this couldn't be more clear the world will never be as it was especially especially before what started four years ago you know what I'm talking about 
The world has completely changed since then and will never be the same. And ever since then, all we're seeing is the the continual ushering in of the B system. It never ended. And it's just weakening people every day. That's the thing. They're trying to make people weaker and weaker and weaker so that you will eventually just accept the mark because you're not wise, because you didn't have the fear of the Lord, because you didn't know the Lord's voice when you heard it, because you preferred the sweet lies of the false prophets and the false teachers and the false apostles and so on. We see in the book of Amos, in chapter 8, verse 11, he says, Behold, the days will come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. What is a famine? A famine is a scarcity, usually, of food, meaning that very little food is there. And a famine, therefore, means that many people either die from starvation or have to survive on very, very little Okay, so he says, I will send a famine in the land, but not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So the famine will be of hearing the words of the Lord, meaning that everybody, and this is very clear to me that this is what's happening now and leading into the tribulation is what's going to happen as Daniel has written, in the end, people will be running to and fro, searching for God's word, and they cannot find it. To those that never got themselves a physical Bible, that never wanted to dust the one off that they had sitting on their counter that's covered in plastic still for 20 years. To those that can then no longer buy it because it's no longer available to buy. To those that only had the app or just looked online and now all of it has been changed or rewritten by AI to say something completely different. And it comes to the time that people will be thirsting. They have a famine to hear the word of the Lord, verse 12, and they shall wonder. Listen how similar it sounds to what it said in Daniel. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and they shall not find it. So you see how in Daniel he says that knowledge shall be increased and many shall run to and fro. But in Amos we're seeing that it says, yes, people shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and they shall not find it. So even though their knowledge shall be being increased, it's not the knowledge of God. It's not the knowledge of truth. It shall be fables, which is why we're told in Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So when our, as the saints, we gather unto him on the great day that you be not soon shaken in mind, as in don't be troubled when you hear. Okay, don't be shaken in mind or be troubled neither by the spirit nor by word. So He's also saying like whether someone's saying it to you, giving you knowledge or by the spirit as in something is also oppressing you demonically to make you have these um, false thoughts. Nor by letter from us, as in as from us, as in again, people faking to be true teachers, true apostles, true prophets, etc. And teaching you something that is incorrect, just as many of the so-called church today, which teaches nothing but lies. They don't read scripture to you. They make a television show, a concert, and call this, call this as if it is something that is holy. 
as that the day of Christ is at hand. So when those are saying, oh, the day of Christ is here, it's already here. Let no man deceive you by any means. So we're talking about deception for that day, as in the day of Christ shall not come except first, first. So we shall not see Jesus Christ in all his glory, as Revelation 19 tells us, coming down on his cloud like a bolt of lightning from the east to the west. Everybody shall see him coming down on this earth. Everyone. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. That would be the rebellion, the apostasy, the people that were never of Christ to begin with. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. This is the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And I did an entire episode about taking the mark of the beast and how I gave you the massive example, how King Nebuchadnezzar did this very thing. So it's like somebody like that, like what King Nebuchadnezzar did as a mere man in the Old Testament. This is what the Antichrist is going to do with the beast system. So listen to that episode to see that in detail of what that looks like. And again, how we were forewarned and shown with God's mercy in the last four years, what that looks like so we can be prepared. And especially to those of you who actually fell for it and fell for the lies in the last four years, your God has showed you mercy in that you still have a chance to redeem yourself before the mark of the beast is here and before the beast system is fully implemented. Which again, the result for us is not all hunky-dory, as we are told throughout all of the scriptures that literally everybody, whether it was a prophet or whether it was one of the apostles, they literally all died in Jesus' name. They were horridly murdered because of their faith, belief, trust and dedication to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. None of them in the end were just like, yes, and we lived happily ever after. So the truth is a wake up call. That's why he says the truth is a sword and the word of God is the sword of a spirit. It cuts the heart. It hurts. It makes people grind their teeth and want to attack you. Except those who are his. Because his sheep hear his voice. Remember, remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. This is Paul reminding them to those that are writing, because again, we must continuously be remembered as well. Those that know must continuously be remembered because life is still lifing. Life is still happening. We are continuously every day experiencing the worsening of the world. The world will end. We are literally worsening every day. That's why nothing ever gets better. And that's why the dark rulers of this world, the principalities and the powers that are in the unseen realm, and we cannot see them, but they're the puppet masters of all the people that you think rule this world. They always give you some kind of false counterfeit alternative, such as the world would end, will end because of climate change and global warming and so on and so forth, or an asteroid hitting the earth, when they are literally just giving you a different version of the truth, the end of the world, because when it comes to that end, that the people will be fooled who go and dedicate themselves to that troop, 
to the Antichrist, to the beast, to Satan himself. They pledge allegiance to Satan by taking the mark and then literally going as the army of Satan to go and fight against God. That's how deceived they're going to be. And you might be thinking, that will never be me. But do you know the word of God? Because when it is preached to you, you roll your eyes, you turn it off, you say, God is love. And he doesn't speak like that. God is not this. God is not judgmental. God is not that. You don't know him. He shall return to judge the world and the world will literally cease to exist. The only thing that shall stand is his word. And his word tells us how to save our lives by putting our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, being not offended by his name, but trusting in his name, believing though we have not seen and repenting, truly turning away, like literally truly realising you were wrong, realising how wicked you were, turning away from it and turning towards God and walking in his ways. And now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity, iniquity again is lawlessness, lawlessness is transgressing against God. The mystery of iniquity does already work. Of course it does. This entire world is run by Satan and everybody supports it and it gets worse every day. Every day when I see or come across some video where it takes me a few seconds to realise what I'm even hearing, it gets worse each day. And I just think to myself, Lord, it's like I feel um, he's like, this is what I have to see and look at every day. The wickedness and how like atrocious it is inside you when you hear people so openly talking about wicked evil and others applauding them and seeing no wrong in it. And then... Uh, only he now who lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, what is Paul saying there? He says, now only those who were actually not of God to begin with, only those who aren't clearly of Christ, who aren't clearly working out their salvation with fear and trembling, being sanctified, loving God with all their heart, mind and soul, being committed to God. Only those who anyway weren't really the ones, only now he who lets it, as in he who allows it to get caught into the snare of the devil, he who goes back into the world and is like, yeah, actually, I prefer a bit of this filth. He will be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. By the way, that's how quickly Satan will just be removed from this earth. So when he goes to try and literally battle against God in the battle of Armageddon with his so-called army, which will be the, the uh, deceived unbelievers in this world, not all of them, but a group of them, he literally just fire out of his mouth, he just opens his mouth and, and Satan is gone in that moment and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So Jesus shall destroy Satan with the brightness of his coming because Jesus is the light. Even him 
whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, as is in detail given to us in Revelation chapter 13, verses 13 to 14 and Revelation 16, verse 14. And with all deceivableness, so Antichrist coming in the working of Satan with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. So only the unrighteous of those that are able to be deceived because they don't recognize God's voice because they received not, listen, the love of truth. They received not the love of the truth, which is God's word, that they might be saved. And for this cause, for this cause, because they love not the truth, they despised the word of God. They deny Jesus Christ. They take this whole thing as a joke. They go happily back into the filth of this world. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So people who indulge in error. And now people even with that will say, well, why will God send them strong delusion? How is that right and whatever? It means that God's giving you what you want. And if you haven't realised by now, what humans want is usually very wicked things. As he says, the human heart is wicked and who can know it? God searches the heart. And so when we're given what we want, it is wicked, evil imaginations and thoughts, vain imaginations. He gives you them and the result of them is wickedness back. So that's why. Back to Amos, uh, from, as I said, from chapter, uh, from chapter 8, verse 12. And they shall wander from sea to sea, looking, you know, after this famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And from north, even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. And I'm speaking to you now as well, the generation in which I'm living now, if you don't pick up your Bible and study, now, if you don't understand what it means to hear the, the voice of God, now, if you're not listening when God sends you dreams and vision, now, if you're not paying attention and praying and actually seeking the counsel of the only one that is the wisest counsellor, which is God, then when the famine of the word comes, you will easily be swept up by the deception because you don't know how to discern the spirits. And you will seek, you will seek a prophet, you will seek an apostle, you will seek a teacher, you will seek a Bible. You will seek God in prayer. And he's saying, there shall be silence. In that day shall the fair virgins or beautiful young women and young men faint for thirst. They shall faint of the th for thirst, as it for thirst of the word of the Lord. So now you shall understand what the parable of the ten virgins is relating to, what I just said. In Matthew chapter 25, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, a lamp, you know, that gives you light, and went forth to meet the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus, who shall return at the wedding supper in the end. 
And five of those virgins were wise and five were foolish. Remember what we talked about? Knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom in the beginning, right? Many shall run to and fro, etc. So listen, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. That would be like saying, so you took as if like, you have, you claim you have like the faith of God. You claim that you, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, you got baptized or whatever, but you have no oil with you. You've never studied the word of God. You never read the Bible yourself. You haven't been feeding yourself on that spiritual bread. That is God's word. You haven't been in prayer. You haven't built up oil. You haven't been fasting. You haven't been walking the ways of righteousness. You haven't been asking God to correct you, asking God to reprove you, asking God to sanctify you. So they took no oil with them. That's what made them foolish. So they had the lamp, which means on the outside, it looks like they have what they need. But when it comes to the moment that they have to turn on the light, so when the darkness hits, they don't have any oil. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They took the narrow gate. They stayed on the path. They actually were committed to God when they were born again and said, I'm with you all the way, Lord. It's me and you till the end. Feed me, Lord. I, 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 you are not a burden to me. I cannot get enough of you. You are not a burden to me. You are precious to me. You are number one in my life. While the bridegroom tarried, so while the bridegroom took his time, so before he comes back, they're waiting for the bridegroom. We are waiting for Jesus to return for the wedding supper. That's why we kept constantly being told to keep watch. But while the bridegroom took his time, they all slumbered and slept. All of them, both the wise and the foolish virgins. That means he's going to take however it is amount of time to come back, that it's going to be the significance of the time frame is so much that even those who are wise and even those who are ready and even those who are on watch all the time shall also slumber and fall asleep because it's going to be such a difficult time. The tribulation, the end times, when it comes, like it's going to be like the days of Noah. The world will look like there is no hope anymore. You understand? It will look like that. It will look like you can no longer hear God. It looks like you cannot get a Bible. If you even say the word Bible, they'll like imprison you. If you preach on the street corners, they'll chop your head off, that kind of thing. So everyone then becomes like all of them slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry Behold, so like a big announcement. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose. So they woke up and they trimmed their lamps and they get ready. And they're like, yes, let me get my stuff together. <laughs> my Lord is here. The time is now. And they go. And the foolish virgins said unto the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are gone out. So, the lamps gone out point is that they never continued. They, they never continue to feed themselves in the word. They never continued to feed themselves with that, what they had 
of God, even though a famine comes of the word, even though the whole world will be in complete and utter darkness and you won't be able to find fellowship anymore. There probably won't be any physical congregations anymore that will all be outlawed. Or even if you wanted to go to one, like is the such today, that's why I don't go to any, is that the ones that are, are all corrupt. They're lies. They're not real. They're not real congregations of the Lord Jesus Christ, unfortunately. So your lamp doesn't go out. If the, Is it enough for you, for example, that having the Bible physically with you, you don't have your YouTube anymore, you don't have your podcasting anymore, you don't have anybody you can comment and ask questions anymore, you don't have all your you know, uh, reaction videos anymore of all your gossip and all these things and people saying this scandal, this scandal, you have the news, you have nothing anymore. It's just you and your Bible. Physical Bible, meaning you have to read. There's no audio version amplified with, you know, sound effects or video to make sure that, you know, it keeps you engaged every two minutes. Just you and the physical word written on paper. So the foolish didn't do any of that. That's why their lamps were gone out. They had no oil. They became like unrecognisable. They were back into the world. But the wise answered saying, not so, as in we will not give you our oil, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go yourselves rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Buying the oil at this point in this story is that whilst you still have it, whilst you still have the option to go to a congregation and to an elder and to get that help you need, do that. Whilst you're still able to purchase physical Bibles, buy them. Guess what? There will be a time where you won't be able to buy them and your phone will lock you out and you won't be able to access the apps anymore or they will, they will completely change again what is written on there. They're already rewriting the Bible with AI. Okay? Getting the physical one. The physical and real translations, not these nonsensical uh, people's interpretation ones. Listening to real teachings or reading real teachings. Gaining wisdom from the time you lost. So that's why it says, goes to those that sell, go to those that sell and buy for yourselves. Not like physical selling things, but like literally those that are selling to you wisdom, the words of wisdom from God's word, like stock up on it whilst you still can for yourself, because nobody can give their faith to you. Nobody can give their obedience to God's word to you. You have to build that up in yourself. The little lamp uh, flame within you is completely down to you, whether you build that or not. Nobody else. And while they went to buy, so then they said, okay, the, the you know, foolish virgins are like, oh, let's go quickly now and try and find something. Let's now try and find it, eh? Let's now increase, run to and fro, look for the knowledge, Okay. See how they're connected again to the other parts. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him into the marriage and the door was shut. The door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open, open the door to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Now, where else have we heard that? We've heard that as well in Matthew chapter 7, which 
is a chapter in itself that people continuously cherry pick and make it say what they want it to say. They literally, that very first sentence in chapter 7 says, judge not that ye be not judged. And then that phrase is used today even by people as well as many other scriptures that have never heard of the Bible, don't believe in Jesus, don't even know that they're Jesus's words, they go around preaching this stuff, okay? And they haven't read the rest of the chapter where he goes on to explain to us how to judge righteously. Now, but the part I want to focus on is about the people like the foolish virgins that are like, open the door and he says, I don't know you. He says that like in chapter 7, of Matthew from 20 verse 21 not everyone that says to me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that does the will of my father which is in heaven does the will of my father means that you are actually doing something in action again it's not you one day said i believe christ is lord got baptized 20 years ago and your life has remained exactly the same and he doesn't recognize you he doesn't know you many will say to me in that day lord have we not prophesied in your name so again this is even people who will claim as i said claim to be believers claim that they're on the straight and narrow path claim that they know god's word that they can hear his voice and yet who do they persecute they persecute the true Prophets, the true apostles, the true teachers, the true evangelists, the fivefold ministries, it's called. They persecute them for telling the truth, but they go around clapping and having no issue wasting all of their time and money supporting these entertainment cherry picking nonsense in the name of, supposedly in the name of God and the Bible and Jesus. That's why it says, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name have we not cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, which again means being lawless. You that work lawlessness. Lawlessness. He cares how you walk this walk in life. It is not just entertaining a thought. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, all of these were the sayings of Jesus. He was not going around telling everybody, love is love, you're all awesome, everyone's great, no one has to change anything and, you know, we're all good. Everyone's going to live happily ever after. He spoke exactly like the father in the Old Testament. But people do not recognize his voice. That's why he says, my sheep hear my voice. That's why when he was going throughout his ministry, Jesus, when he was literally walking through Israel and the the neighboring uh, nations, there were those that were offended and attacked him and hated him. And then there were those who believed Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto him unto a wise man. Right? We just heard about the wise virgins. Now he's talking, giving you another example. I will like, I will, I will, uh, I will compare you to a wise man. If you do what? 
if you listen to what Jesus said and do it. And the rain, so which built his house. So a wise man who built his house upon a rock and it rained and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Meaning that God's protection in your life when you're truly a child of God doesn't mean you're not going to suffer persecution. In fact, as we're told, we are absolutely going to suffer persecution. We are going to be hated for his name. However, because we built our faith upon a rock, the rock of Jesus Christ, it shall not fall. We shall not fall. He shall not suffer his people, his children to stumble. But then he says from verse 26, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not. So you're hearing it, you're entertaining it, you love your entertainment clips of worldly things and just like doing this weird hoo-rah, yay, you know, come Jesus, like, yeah, let's see the end of the world or whatever. Do you not understand the weight of the coming of the day of the Lord? Why it's called a dreadful day? As in, it's not just one physical day, but that, that whole process of judgment, the whole process of the plagues coming down to the earth and the times of the tribulation are going to be so horrid that if they were not shortened by God's mercy, none of us would survive. And you're saying, yay, bring it. He tells us to be in mourning. He tells us to be in repentance. He tells us to pray. He tells us to feed ourselves on the word of God to take care of his house what till before he comes back. Taking responsibility, not just sitting around waiting. So those that hear these words of mine and do them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, like the foolish virgins, which built his house upon a sand, which had the lamp with no oil. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. So again, you're still going to suffer tribulation and turbulation in this world. But guess what? Like the nihilists and the atheists, you're going to be hopeless and helpless and suicidal because your life is like everything just becomes meh. Like today, like every single day, there's some kind of catastrophe going on and people's response is meh. They're just like, whatever at this point. We, we as a species should just end our lives. But here's the thing. What about when you die? Do you know what happens? What about when you die? Are you assured of your life? You are not unless you understand the gospel and have accepted it and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. The world is already in such a satanic state that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. The most important thing to every individual is not that they get closer to God. It's not that they learn more of God's word. It's not that they humble themselves more before God, that they, they uh, make themselves uh, lo- uh, they, they make themselves lower so that God can be exalted. No, everything is about what's going on in their minuscule, miniature life and how important that is above everything else because, you know, solipsistically, the world revolves around them. And this is how people are today, completely satanic. They do not see the bigger picture. They do not see the unseen. They do not understand the intricacies of life. They do not understand the responsibility that comes with being alive. They do not understand the realness of judgment. They do not understand the weight that comes with sin And that without Jesus, you are already lost and dead. And that you are not just going to end up in the dirt. That after this, there is an eternity and we're going to be made like unto the angels, which literally means we are still going to be alive. We're going to have bodies that can very much feel. And there are only two 
which ways that can turn out. First resurrection, we're resurrected unto eternal life, living by the living waters coming from God himself. Or second resurrection unto eternal damnation in hellfire. Continual torment, having to pay for our sins ourselves because that's what you wanted. Because you would rather that, you would rather dwell in that wickedness than acknowledge the truth because you have no love for truth. You'd rather that than humble yourself before God to have that healthy fear of the Lord. Not a fear of punishment, but a fear to displease him, a fear to upset him. A fear to hurt him. Everyone that hears these saying of mine does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished, astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And I'm going to go a bit um, earlier in chapter 7 as well, which I want to share again. How? How is he testing this? How is he seeing at the end when he gathers the wheat and the tares, which one you're going to end up in? Are you a wise virgin or a foolish virgin? Are you a wise man or the foolish man? Right? From verse... um, From verse... 13, enter you into the straight gate. Okay, a straight gate means it's not a revolving door, as in you can't decide like, I'm going a bit, come back out, going a bit, come back out. It's a straight gate. It's so narrow that you can't even turn around if you did it, like your your, your, your body, your shoulders would get stuck. So once you enter that straight gate, there's no going back. That's why he says when the farmer puts his plow to the ground, He does not look back. If you do that, you are a useless servant to me. That's why he says, turn not back. Else you are not fit for the kingdom. Like Lot's wife turned back to wicked and evil Sodom and Gomorrah while she was being saved, saved by the Lord God. She turned back, looking back, thinking, oh, I miss my my worldly wealth and riches I had there and instantaneously turned into a pillar of salt because she cherished the riches and the kingdom of this world more than the kingdom of God. Enter into the straight gate for wide, wide, broad is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction, destruction of your soul. And many, many there be which go therein. That's why it's wide and it's broad. It sounds good. It's appealing. It's exciting. It's interesting. It's fun. It's entertaining. Always about entertaining. God is not here to entertain you. God is not here to entertain you. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life and few be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, meaning that a sheep is someone who follows God's voice because he is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice. So that's why he's saying they come to you as looking like a sheep. So they look like 
a true follower of Christ. They look like a true prophet of God, but inwardly, inside, beneath that clothing, beneath that facade, they are ravening wolves. Wolves seeking to destroy, kill, devour. You shall know them. How? How shall you know? Like when people say, how do we know? By their fruits. Again, deeds, what you do in life, what you're doing in general. You're watching someone's video that's like a three-hour live stream and people like throwing money at them or whatever and they claim to be, let's say, a believer of God and then the whole thing is in three hours talking about their opinions about some political thing. And they've done nothing to further the kingdom of God. They've nothing, done nothing to preach the word of God in truth because it's uncomfortable and people don't like to hear it. He says, you'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? No. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Meaning that seeing the fruits of people's work, seeing the fruits of their hands, seeing the fruits of their labor shows you what's on the insides. It reveals whether or not they are a sheep of the Lord or a ravening wolf, uh, sorry, a ravening wolf from the seed of Satan. Not everyone, as I said, says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter. Oh, that's why he said, sorry, uh, a good tree cannot forth, bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is ho- hewn down. That means chopped down. Okay, so every tree that is an evil tree, every person that is full of evil and does not bring forth good fruit shall be chopped down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. And so that's when we can see back in Daniel chapter 12, in verse 10, it says, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, meaning tested. Many shall be purified, made white and tested. But the wicked shall do wickedly. Meaning that if you are wicked in your heart, If you are so hard-hearted, if you never, like, not even open your mind for a second to any of the signs, any of the miracles, any of the warnings that God heeds to you, it says the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. Hear me, what I say at the beginning, knowledge shall increase and people shall run to and fro and they shall seek the word of the Lord And many people are going to wonder, what is going on? Is the end of the world coming? Is it climate change? Is it a comet? You know, is it zombies? Is it all the rest of it, right? But it says, none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Meaning that people who have been with God since the beginning, that you you ate up every word of God with every opportunity you had to read it, to understand it, to pray on it. And that you know and understand that in the book of Revelation and throughout many of the book of the prophets, we are told exactly how the world will end and exactly how to save our lives and exactly what the truth is. That's why the wise shall understand, but the wicked shall not understand and they shall do wickedly. 
And that's why he then says from verse 11, from that time, the date that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that makes desolate shall be set up, there shall be 1,290 days, which if you calculate is exactly three and a half years, talking literally about the times of the tribulation in the end, in the book of Revelation confirmed. Blessed is he that waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But go your way, Daniel, to the end be, for you shall rest and stand in your lot at the end of days. Now, blessed is he that waits. That sounds ever so familiar as the phrase I've continuously said to you guys in many of these teachings, which we're told in the book of Revelation many a time. So blessed is he that waits and comes to the end. He who endures till the end. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over all nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter. Shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star which is Jesus himself, because he tells us in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And as we're hearing continuously throughout the book of Revelation, at the end of each like message to the churches, he says, like in Revelation 3, verse 29, he that has a, an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Why is he always saying that? Because to have an ear to hear is not a given. Seeing is not believing. Like it, You have to actually soften your heart towards God. You have to humble yourself before the Lord. You have to have a broken spirit and cry out to him in truth and he will answer you. But only when you're doing it in true, genuine truth. We're forewarned in the very beginning chapter of Revelation, verse 3. Blessed is he that reads and keep, sorry, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy, meaning that if you read it, you're not necessarily hearing what you're reading, are you? It's not going into your ears unless you are actually gaining the understanding. And keep those things which are written therein. To keep them means to do them, meaning wisdom. So to read is to get the knowledge, to hear the words is to have the understanding, and to keep those things which are written therein is to have the wisdom to actually do them. For the time is at hand. And with regards again to none of the wicked understanding and just to continuing to do wickedly, this is how the state of the end of the world is that people will still not get it or want to get it. They will not have ears to hear when literally we are seeing the most abominable things every single day. Every, we're going to have all the plagues, everything will be coming out in front of us. And again, this is across so much varying things of time. I, I know like when we read things, like if you read the books of the prophets, or if you read the book of Revelation, you're reading it like in a linear way, like then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. But that's not how prophecy works, because prophecy is sent to us back in time from the future, from the only one that knows the future, which is God. So prophecy is a gift from God's mercy to give us warning so that we can take heed of what is to come. 
And because it's from such a far point in future, they're not giving you like this is the part like step by step events. It's mixing various like years into one. Nonetheless, you're still able to make sense of it without having to know, oh, this must happen first, then this must happen. Oh, it's not the end times unless this happens and this kind of thing. You will gain the understanding and wisdom when you're truly looking for the truth in it and not just trying to, you know, figure out some, like, figure out some mystery from, as if it's a clue, clue-seeking show, CIA thing or whatever. This is also why when he says the wicked won't understand, so they will just continue to do wickedly. This is why he says in chapter 22 of Revelation in verse 11, he that is unjust let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Basically, when Jesus returns, what he's saying to you in this sentence, because again, if people don't know who God is, they'll think that this sounds harsh or whatever, but it's just the truth. It means when he returns, you'll be caught, right? Like a, a, you'll be caught because no one knows the day or the hour, being who you truly are. When Jesus returns, you will be caught off God, being who you truly are. And he's either going to catch you as a good and faithful servant, happy to see him, or he's going to catch you in the act of evil and wickedness. That's why he says in verse 12, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man According to his work, it shall be. Back to Daniel chapter 12, because literally the book of Daniel, he, he literally got a vision of the very end of the world. Okay. At that time shall Michael, as in the, Mike, the angel Michael, stand up the great prince, prince, which stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. So such as a time that's never been seen in the world before. And Jesus reaffirms that in the book of Matthew. I'll get to that in a moment. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 reaffirms, and whosoever was not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Back to Daniel. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That is the two resurrections, as I've already spoken of earlier and have spoken of in depth more so in other episodes. Verse three, and they that be wise, again, you see the wise, the wisdom aspect, the wise virgin, the wise man, the wise, the wise person, how it's always being alluded to who is wise and who is foolish. The wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they, but why are they wise? Listen to what Daniel's saying. They that turn many, turning is repentance. That's turning away from error and to the truth. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. As in you're going, those that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament as the stars because they turn many to righteousness. That's why. Because people are going to believe the lie. There's going to be such a small remnant left of people that even know the word of God. And if they know it, if you want to find it, 
it's going to be impossible for you to find them. Because what? Well, what are they even telling us now already to prepare for? Complete power cutages, you know, uh, complete shutdowns of like our internet connections and electricity and stuff like that, right? So what do you do in that case? All you have left is your lamp and your oil and your Bible physically in front of you. Physically in front of you. If you have not bought a Bible yet, they are very affordable. It's like between 20 to 30 euros. That's it for a Bible. That is literally the instruction of truth and life. Eternal life. You spend more on a breakfast at McDonald's. Get the Bible physically. I use the King James Version. It's the one I like. I do recommend. I'm not saying none of the other ones are no good. It's the one that God led me to when I went to get a Bible. I did no research, nothing. I just popped up Bible and it's the first one that came up. And I know that that was the one that I needed to, to get to know and read. There are other translations. They are fine, but do not get the ones that are not translations, but are called like interpretations because they're not an actual, that's not God's word. That's people giving their opinions on it. It's like reading a fairy tale, forget those ones. And the ones that are too new, all the new ones that are coming out, like in the last years, they're not real translations. They are, again, these ones that are feeding now into the B system and turning God's word into, into delusion, into not the truth. They're leading you astray, sheep in wolf's clothing. Nonetheless, I suggest you do that right now because you don't know at what point in the near future or when it will be that you will physically not be able to have a Bible in your home anymore. And every other means of you getting to the information of God's word will be eliminated. And because we will be so highly persecuted, anyone that's a true believer, you won't be able to go out and ask physical people on the street because they will want to kill you. So you will have to be prudent and wise and Quiet to yourself with your word. Learning spiritual prayer and spiritual warfare, which was another sort of realisation I had about prayer. And I was doing my own Bible study earlier. It was either yesterday or today. I can't remember. But when I was reading it, I was like, this is what we're shown the importance of the type of prayer and what prayer really is. Like it's, if God's word, okay, God's book, the Bible, don't like calling it a book, but God's word, okay, the living scriptures of the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. If it's called the sword of the spirit, it means that when you know and recite scripture, it is literally your physical armour and battle tools in war in the spirit okay so if that's what it is if prayer is spiritual armor that's why in revelation chapter 8 first there was one thing i noticed where it said the very first sentence says and when he had opened the seventh seal so this is the seventh angel opening the seventh seal of the um book it says There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Because in that, judgment was about to come. So there was silence. 
There wasn't rejoicing. What we normally hear is rejoicing in heaven over a sinner coming to repentance. But here, because it's just before the judgment and the pouring out of the judgments upon the earth and the wicked and all those who don't believe, it says there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, before I continue, sorry, that very first verse, I, uh, the, the, the insight I had the other day was in Psalm 76, uh, verse 8. This is actually prophesized as well. Hold on. It was really amazing when I realized it, but it says, Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still or silent. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, surely the wrath of man shall praise you, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God, let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared, being God, of course. But just that that first, that number eight, that sentence eight, you did cause judgment to be heard from heaven, the earth was feared and was still. Back to Revelation 8. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, the space of half an hour. And then uh, from verse 3, this is the part about prayer. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having gold, a golden censer, so like a golden cup. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, the throne of God. So let's read on what's in this and what comes of that. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints, so we on earth, working in the, like since salvation, being sanctified unto saints, pray continuously to Lord and it says this smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand so now it's being presented to God and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth okay what just happened the prayers of the saints is about God serving justice so it's that's what I just said to you about, it's your spiritual sword, spiritual armour about fighting the evil of this world. Not by praying, oh God, will you help me, you know, get a car or will you help me out with, you know, there's this person I really like and I would like their attention or whatever. Just this nonsensical, as James says, you hit a miss with these. I'm not saying you can't pray to anything personally. Of course you can, but it has to be righteous prayer. But these prayers where it's literally that God brings forth justice to the weak, to the oppressed, to the fatherless, to the widow, that he can see that the human beings on earth are not all corrupt, that we're not all completely lost and so satanic that we don't care at all that every single day people die, they murder, they're murdered, they starve, they are abused to death, they are um, exploited and taken advantage of, that we actually care that he sees that. Because why on earth should he bring judgment and justice if the earth themselves, if humans themselves say nothing? They don't even think it's important enough to pray on. So you see, the importance of your prayer for God's judgment and justice 
to the victims of the oppressors and the wicked. Not spending all your energy to pray for the wicked who intentionally continue to be wicked, but to pray for the justice of the oppressed, the victims, the abused, the helpless. And so what happens? Those prayers are filled in the censer with fire and it's cast into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake, meaning that the judgment and the justice is finally being served. Do you understand? There is a weight. There is a weight to our prayers. There is a weight to seeing, like weighing in the scales, like God is seeing how much are we genuinely seeking judgment and justice or what the atheists like to steal morality, which is invented by God and call it just another word to make it quote, non-religious, right? They change morality to ethics. It's just another word. We're talking about the same thing. Ethics, quote, morality comes from God. The knowledge of right and wrong is fixed into your conscience if you still have one, if it's not seared. And God is looking upon the earth down at his footstool from his throne to see who is crying out to me? Who is crying out for justice? Or are they complaining? Or are they... um complicit as I was mentioning in the episode I did about overcoming evil with good overcoming evil with good doesn't mean to be complicit to evil doesn't mean to be silent in it doesn't mean to succumb to it by being just like the wicked and assuming God will just take care of it and that your actions your fruits mean nothing so that was very important and I wanted to share that aspect because then begin the seven trumpets to sound and then comes literally all of the judgments to which there is just so much more in the book of Revelation. But again, in all of this, there's so many things, but I'm just going where, for what I can do within this one teaching. And again, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And those who don't, they weren't going to ever listen in the first place anyway. You weren't ever committed to God in the first place. If you cannot sit down and be still and listen without getting angry, flipping out, thinking you have a better opinion or something says, this is not my opinion. I, I'm reading the word of God to you. If you're angry at the words coming out of my mouth, you are angry at the Lord God. So you have deeper issues to sort out than whether or not you care about me or my tone or whatever. I'm nothing and no one. I'm a woman with a Bible who loves the Lord her God, who is grateful every day that he saved me and redeemed me from the wicked, sinful being that I was. As in the book of Jude, where we are reminded from verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of, the common, of our common salvation, like I wanted to write to you about, you know, more things that are deeper, deeper in understanding and wisdom, you know. I wanted to start feeding you like solid food rather than just the, the basics of the baby milk. But it was needful for me to write unto you to exhort you that you should earnestly contend contend, that's fight, that you should earnestly hold the line and fight for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, meaning that you can lose it, you can walk away, you can grow cold, you can become lukewarm. For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning, listen, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, turning the grace of God into vulgarity 
into everything about the lusts of the flesh, everything that God says against. I will therefore put you into remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards, after he saved them, destroyed those that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, the angels that fell, the fallen angels, which are still very much, again, the ones that turned into the Nephilim, the ones that have the hybrid, the ones that very much still did horrid things where they mixed DNA on this earth. And you think they don't still, they aren't still around today. And people don't believe in the book of Enoch or whatever, when literally the book of Enoch is referenced a thousand times or many times in the, the Bible canon itself. And the way in which if you, if you recognized God's voice, you would know that the book of Enoch is true. And you would only get the understanding and wisdom of the book of Enoch with the foundational, foundational basics of the scriptures. But no, people mocking things about that. But they'd rather listen to people that say, you know, the belief, uh, the beliefs of the Bible needs to be progressive and modernized. And we now just get to change it into whatever we want. That's fine, right? That's fine. So he says, the angels that fell which kept not their first estate, as in they didn't stay in where their house was in the heavens. They came down and they messed with human women, as we're told in Genesis 6, but they left. They left their own habitation, they left their own home, and they came here where they had no right doing things that they had no, that is not of their kind. He's reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, like around them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. Again, what is fornication? Sexual immorality. All forms of fornication and sexual morality can be boiled down to one thing. Anything that you are doing that is of intimate uh, intimate action, whether with another person or with yourself, that is not your husband or your wife in holy matrimony then it is fornication. And no, that does not mean that within a marriage you can do whatever intimately because there's perversion there too. But that's very clearly stated to us in scriptures. Again, I wouldn't need to explain that to you if you knew the scriptures. Um, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Again, going after uh, fornication, even with those that they should not. So man with man, woman with woman, uh, man with beast, woman with angel, okay? They're set forth as an example. Why? Because we learn by example. We learn by seeing, oh, that's how God reacts to evil. That's how God reacts to righteousness. Great. Maybe we should consider that. Ponder in our heads and think, all right, perhaps it is better for us to live righteously unto the goodness of God than to go against him and be cursed by our own wickedness. They are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance the vengeance of God of eternal fire in the lake of fire. Likewise, also those filthy dreamers, those that have evil imaginations continually, again, written in Genesis 6, the very, the very thing that caused God to literally repent of making man on earth. That's how disgusting we were. That's how fallen we were. And yet still his mercy is so great that he is here giving us long, uh, his long suffering and patience that we may be saved those of us that have ears to hear. Those filthy dreamers defile the flesh 
as in you're literally defying, defiling your own body given to you of God, despising dominion. Again, the, the dominion of God and his kingdom. I'm not talking about earthly dominion of this fallen world. And speak evil of dignities, meaning speaking evil of the principalities and the powers and the authorities in the unseen realm that we know nothing about. And then people mock it and laugh at it, but they don't understand that the, the unseen realm, the demons, the angels, the spiritual battle is very, very real. And we are but clay. We are but clay. So who are we at all to claim like, oh yeah, this is just such a funny joke or whatever. It's a, it is a serious matter. That's why it says Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses. So he was literally fighting with Satan over the body of Moses. He dared not bring an accusation, a railing accusation against Satan, but said, the Lord rebuke you, as in God will correct you. God will punish you. And Michael being literally one of the chief princes, chief archangels. And disputing to him about the body of Moses is, why do you think he would be disputing about the body of Moses? What is the number one sin that people continuously fall into? It's idolatry. It is idolatry. Idolatry, if not of something else, if not of a physical thing made of man's hands, then it's of the creation made by the creator. And they're not the same thing to the people that keep saying creator and creation is the same. No, they are not. There is a creator and there's a creation, okay? If a painter painted a painting, is the painting the painter? No, it is not. How That doesn't even logically make sense, does it? So how does it make sense in the infinite intelligence beyond our comprehension that is all of creation to claim that the creation like created itself, that it's, it is the same thing. There is no creator above the creation. doesn't even make any sense anyway. But the idolatry is either of self, so that's Satanism, or of idols, you know, things that people physically make with their hands, whether it be statues, whether it be symbols of things, whether it be paintings, whether it be uh, um, demonic false gods and so on and so forth. And the disputing of his body is that, because they never found Moses' body afterwards but it's like if they would have found then there could have been many repercussions of that people could have been worshiping Moses for the you know this they could have been worshiping Moses for the rest of the days they could have been claiming he was God or they could have attempted to you know get his DNA try to create another cloned version of him you know that is even spoken of today cloning is possible they talk about it openly they say they clone babies they do gene editing I remember being at a conference it was a business conference like in 2000 and I don't know, 16, 17, something like that. Person totally normally talking, call, calling this thing CRISPR or whatever about gene editing. Great news, we can edit, you know, DNA now. And here we are, people are saying, the thing that happened in the last four years, that can't edit your DNA. But again, who has ears to hear, we're here, and who don't, they won't. And that's why... Nothing will be surprising. Everything, when it comes to the end times and tribulations and everything you're reading in the book of Revelation, it's going to be everything you've ever seen in like a horror, you know, this these sci-fi whatever movies that they show you, which again is run by Satan. So all of the Hollywood stuff, all of that stuff they show you about the dystopian futures, the end of the world things, those a lot of those events will be like that it's just the reason why they're giving you is not the truth the truth lies in the scriptures the truth lies in Jesus Christ 
You must come to know Jesus, else you are lost. He is the one you need. So it's going to be no surprise then when we're reading in chapter 13 of Revelation about the beast that's going to create the image that everyone's going to have to worship and so on and so forth. Like, like I gave you the, the exact correlation in the book of Daniel, which King Nebuchadnezzar already did. But we're seeing in Revelation 13, it's going to be a more modern example. It could be like an AI thing. It could be like a robot, etc. Or it could literally be a clone of a human being that used to exist. Because it tells us in Revelation chapter 13, verse 12, the beast that came out, he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth of causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. How can a deadly wound be healed? You're brought back to life, you're, you're somehow cloned, you look like the original, perhaps but a bit different. You're re this is like um genetic engineering, etc. How that today is again already common practice. It's not far fetched. In reading and hearing God's word, the more you will become familiar with who God actually is and what his voice sounds like. Therefore, your ability to distinguish between good and evil, between the truth and falsehood, will increase. Without that, it cannot. Without that, you are setting yourself up as a prey. In Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse 23, he says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, which executes loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. He says in chapter 10 of Jeremiah, verse 21, the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. And in verse 24, he says, O Lord, this is Jeremiah, how he speaks to the Lord. This is showing you as well a righteous prayer. It's also showing you how to ask for God's mercy and his ability to teach you his wisdom, his ability to uphold you upon that rock, no matter how difficult the times are. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. Pour out your fury upon the heathen that know you not, and upon the families that call not on your name. For they have eaten, for they that have eaten up Jacob and devoured him, and consumed him, and have made his habitation desolate. Again, that prayer sounds very much like the prayer you would have been seeing in that cup that we were talking about being poured out in Revelation 12. Jesus himself quoted Isaiah chapter 61 when he began his ministry and he first started teaching out of the scriptures when in the synagogue one day on the Sabbath he takes the Bible and he, or he takes the Torah back then and he um, reads out this part, chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And this is him be preaching, beginning to preach the gospel. This is Jesus repeats this very thing in the book of Luke. And then we continue in Isaiah 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. And see, that is in Jesus' second coming, because he comes twice. He came once and he's coming again, and he's very much alive today because he resurrected the third day. But he come, it says to comfort all that mourn. Who is mourning right now, aside from those that know the truth and know the scriptures? Aside from the righteous who are continuously persecuted, the wicked aren't mourning. They're not sorrowful. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And that is our blessed hope. Take heed to those that focus on worldly events and taking sides or trying to say you stand for this or you stand for that when within the situations and the stories and as we're told there will be many trials and tribulations, there will be wars and rumours of wars, there'll be many things going on and we've seen that beginning already. Take heed. Consider where is God in the equation? Are you getting caught up in worldly things those are also worldly things jeremiah chapter 15 from verse 15 jeremiah saying to god again pleading this righteous prayer in times of tribulation in times of the ruin um in that time of israel O lord you know remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors take me not away in your long suffering know that for your sake i have suffered rebuke Thy words were found, so he's in, I found the, the truth, I found the word of God, and I did eat them, eat it, right, consumed it like a daily bread, spiritual daily bread is the word of God, and your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, exactly. To a true believer, a true follower of Christ, no matter how difficult the word is or whatever, you love the truth, you love the truth, it doesn't offend you. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. And this is Jeremiah with righteous indignation, understanding the reality of the world, suffering persecution for being just and righteous, and him saying, I, 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 still, I love you, Lord. I get it. Remember me, though. Remember that I have not forsaken you. Remember that I have not joined in. And he didn't love his life to the death. Because as you can imagine, as with every prophet, Jeremiah's life did not end well. And his life was under continual threat as well. In chapter 17 of Jeremiah, from verse 5, Thus said the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. So you're making like another man's help your strength and whose heart departs from the Lord. It means you're literally choosing death and you're choosing the curse because you're not getting, again, the blessings of the Lord. You're not understanding the word of God. You're not understanding that in God is salvation. It is his right arm that you hold on to and cling to and don't let go. And he pulls you out of everything because nothing is impossible for him. So when you're choosing to trust in man and not in God, you are denying God. 
And then from verse 7 he says, Blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreads out her roots by the river, and shall not see when the heat comes. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the years of drought. Meaning won't lack anything that they need. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. And that is actually written to us by David in the very first psalm as well. He's saying that he will ensure that you're always taken care of. He cares and takes care for his saints. Meaning he will also find the escape routes for you when when it is needed in those moments. When you think it's impossible, it's not with him. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and try the reins, like I test the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. That sounds exactly like Revelation, which again, it perfectly coincides. When you hear and understand God's word and how he sounds like, like God's voice, that to you, you will know, you'll be reading these things, Old Testament, New Testament, you're like, oh, that sounds familiar because it's linked to that, it's linked to that. And then you're seeing how all of it, lines up so perfectly with the truth. It lines up so perfectly because it is prophecy and the testimony of Jesus Christ is prophecy. In verse 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake you, so all that leave you shall be ashamed and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And where have we heard the fountain of living waters? John chapter 4 verse 14 and other places but for now let's start there. If you shall ask anything in my name I will do it. Sorry wrong one. 4.14 is but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is the living waters. And we see it again in John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he is speaking of the Holy Spirit, which was to come after Jesus's death and resurrection, after his glorification, who dwells in all of those of us who believe And again, back to the Old Testament in Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. And he that has no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfies not? Listen diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Fatness in this old English means in abundance of that which is good. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. So what is he talking about eating? The word of the Lord. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. From verse 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So do you see how that's both deed and thought? And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, 
for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Which is why questioning God's judgment, questioning God's justice, questioning why he does or doesn't do things is futile. We cannot even comprehend the level of his thoughts. It is, it is wise to understand that all judgments that the Lord makes are righteous and correct. And they have come and been delivered at a point in time where God has given the sufficient amount of time for repentance, for mind renewal, for turning back to the Lord, for long-suffering and mercy. He decides that. We don't. Our opinion matters not one bit. And the more you read the different accounts in the scriptures, the historical accounts, the more you see the continual reminder that God has to give to every single generation because they continue to make the same um, backsliding and the same, the same evil and wicked um, deeds as their prior generations. We see in Jeremiah chapter 2 uh, from verse 12, sorry, from verse 8, he says, The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handled the law, they knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore I will yet plead with you, says the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. And in verse 12 he says, Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, said the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. Firstly, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. I've already explained to you several times where he said he's the fountain of living waters. Jesus Christ in him is the fountain of living waters. He is life eternal. So you must believe in the Lord God and you must put your trust in Jesus so that you can have eternal life. And number two, what else did they do? Instead, instead, they hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, like broken cutlery that cannot hold water. So what did they do? They denied the truth and replaced it with a lie. Verse 19. Your own wickedness shall correct you. Your backsliding shall reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that you have forsaken the Lord your God and that my fear is not in you, said the Lord God of hosts. And again in chapter 3. In uh, verse 8, and I saw for all the cause whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery and I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared this not. So again, didn't see the example, didn't see that there is consequences to our wicked ways, didn't see that God is long suffering and patient and he is teaching us, he's correcting us, he is edifying us. And instead of taking that correction as a blessing, He's like, Judah feared not and went and played the harlot also. It was even worse. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. Do you see again how he refers to adultery, like between humans, as like spiritual, spiritual adultery? That's what idolatry is. And yet for all this... 
Her treacherous sister Judah still did not turn unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly said the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel has justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, return, you backsliding Israel, says the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, says the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only, only acknowledge your iniquity. Admit that you've done wrong, that you have transgressed against the Lord, your God, and has scattered your ways to the strangers under every green tree, and have not obeyed my voice, said the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. These are the scriptures or the kind of scriptures that so many people that claim to be believers have just never even heard. Lamentations chapter 3 from verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. He is our blessed hope. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bears the yoke of his youth. This is self-discipline and taking correction. He sits alone and keeps silence because he has borne it upon him. He puts his mouth in the dust. If so, there may be hope, humbling yourself. He gives his cheek to him that smites him. He is filled full with reproach. Where have we heard that? Matthew chapter 5 verse 39, where Jesus says, If someone smites you, turn the other cheek. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Like he's not, again, even if we're told various times from the disciples and in the book of revelation is that he doesn't chastise those that are strangers to him he chastises those who considers his children he disciplines his children but he doesn't pleasure in it just like a parent doesn't pleasure in having to discipline a child because they don't like seeing the child get upset but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't discipline the child because if the child continues to do what they're doing it would be they would be in danger they're doing something that's uncalled for you couldn't do this you shouldn't do this etc do you see this is how God looks at it too. So don't look at him in this despiteful way. See, see in the book of Psalms, see in all the book of the prophets, understand. Start in Genesis as you should start in every book, the beginning. Start in Genesis all the way to Revelation and learn to know the voice of your God. Learn who God is. Learn to recognize him. Even when all knowledge shall increase, but the truth shall be silent. God shall be silent and everyone will run to and fro, thirsty for it and won't be able to find it. Will you be able to distinctly know the difference? Will you still have your lamp ready with oil, with what you have to work with that? Or will you be like a foolish virgin? Over and over again, you get to know and read who God is, what he cares about, what he loves, what he hates. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 14. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. 
They commit adultery and they walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of the evildoers, that none do return from their wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Verse 17, they say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walks after the imagination of their own heart, don't worry, no evil shall come upon you. Verse 22, but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, he means the truth, if they were true prophets, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. This in itself is such an important scripture to understand that just because someone can uh, speak well or they're charismatic or they could predict the future in some way through witchcraft, if they are not counselling you to hear God's words, to turn from your evil way and the evil of your doings, then he's saying they're not of God. And though there's so much more examples in scripture I can show you, as always, for now that is enough for one teaching, else it would just never be ending. I would like to close on Jeremiah chapter 45 in verse 5, where the Lord is saying to Baruch, who is basically complaining and mourning, saying, Lord, oh, you've added grief to my life with all this knowledge and understanding and wisdom, like all of the destructions. What about me? This, honestly, I've, I've seen a lot of people speak like this. Oh, I understand, you know, judgment's coming and we've got, like, people got to get saved or, you know, the wrath of God is upon us and etc. But, you know, I don't want him, like, uh, I, want, I want to live my life first, you know. I want to have a family, I want to have kids, I want to do this, I want to travel, I want to move to another country. And it's like you're thinking of your own, whatever it is, you're thinking of your own life more. And this is what Baruch was doing and this was God's response. So just food for thought. Chapter 45, verse 5. Seek not great things for yourself. Seek them not. Oh, seekest thou great things for yourself, Baruch? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon All flesh upon the whole world, says the Lord. But your life, your life will I give unto you for a prize in all places wherewith you will go. Meaning that your gift is eternal life in salvation that is in Jesus Christ. And with that, I hope this has blessed those who have ears to to hear and eyes to see the truth. The truth is hated for a reason, but the truth is the truth. And I serve the Lord, the Lord God Yahweh, and nobody else. Till next time, God willing, all glory be, all glory be to the only one who deserves any glory, any worship, and any praise. The Almighty God, the Ancient One, the Ancient One, the Holy One of Israel, Yahweh, and His only begotten Son, who is my Saviour and the Saviour of the whole world, Jesus Christ. Amen.